Takeaway, an artisan podcast from the Kenneth Guides, made using Skypey, Zoom, iPhones, MacBook Pro and Logic. In this edition, Sally has been meeting some of the people who make, sell and cook with Ireland's great new chocolates. For a very long time, all anybody thought chocolate was was a bar of CDM. But now we're learning a great deal more about it. And the facts about chocolate are, in many situations, absolutely remarkable. Sally, tell us some of the things you learned. Well, chocolate's history goes back an awful long time. I mean, people tend to associate chocolate with the Mayans and the Aztecs. But actually, the first chocolate makers were this mysterious race, the Olmecs. They were a civilization that lived um, between 1500 and 400 BC, and they lived along the Mexican Gulf Coast. They were pyramid constructors even at that time, and they made colossal heads, um, which were huge basalt portraits of their leaders. And interestingly, they were also the people who invented the word and the process of nixtamalization. Well, if the Olmecs discovered chocolate, how did they consume it? Well, they actually, in the beginning, they only used it as a drink for for many years. Nine-tenths of its history, chocolate was actually drunk, not eaten. And it was actually also used as a currency as well, uh, rather like salt. The Aztecs of Mexico used chocolate as a currency. Um, The interesting thing about chocolate, and it's the same today as it was then, is it's incredibly difficult to grow. It only grows 20 degrees north and 20 degrees south of the equator. So we won't be having any chocolate plants in Longford then? Nope. (laughs) No, no way. It has to, uh, it can only survive in a temperature that never falls below 60 degrees Fahrenheit or 16 degrees centigrade. And it needs always to be moist. And it suffers a lot as a plant. It suffers from pod rots and wilts and funguses and um, things gross called witch's brooms. Um, what happens is squirrels and monkeys and rats all steal the pod to eat the delicious white pulp that comes out of it. They don't, in fact, eat the seeds, which is what makes the chocolate at the end of the day. It's an understory plant. Um, so we think of pollinators as being bees and possibly wasps, but chocolate's actually pollinated by midges. And it's not suitable for commercial growing. It likes this sort of messy forest floor of this leaf trash with dead animals and rotten pods. And this midgy environment creates just the right um, situation for pollinating the, 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 chocolate, the cacao flowers. It sounds like a, a very quixotic beast, shall we say? Yes, and the fruit, even the, the way it grows, it actually grows on the trunk of the tree. So it's very interesting when you see photographs of chocolate being grown. Um, and then each pod contains about 30 seeds or beans surrounded by this sweet white pulp. But the seeds themselves, when it's first picked, they're actually bitter, which is why the animals don't like it. Um, The tree has no mechanism for opening these pods itself. This actually has to be done by a man or a monkey. So what has been going on with chocolate in Ireland? I mean, we were a nation reared on Cadbury's dairy milk. Have we broken away from that and the flake? Yes, I mean, we've eaten a lot of junk chocolate that really shouldn't be called chocolate. Um, A lot of chocolate actually only has about 15% cocoa solids, and the rest of it is all sugar and milk solids and solid vegetable oil. But there's been an emergence of what's known as bean-to-bar in Ireland, which is where people actually buy the cocoa beans and go right back to the beginning and make the whole process themselves. The first person I talked to about this was Alison Roberts, who makes the Clonakilty chocolate bar, and I asked her, what exactly does bean-to-bar mean? I suppose the process of making chocolate from the bean um, is relatively new for small-scale production because for years and years it's taken really quite large large-scale machines and grinders to produce 
the couverture or the, the base product that chocolatiers would use. So now the bean to bar movement has come, come out of that from small producers wanting more control, I guess, for their ingredients and their final product. So when you're making chocolate from the bean or bean to bar, you're buying in your beans, usually direct from a cooperative or a small farm, and then you're, you're roasting them, um, grinding them and nibbing them, winnowing them to take off the outside papery sh um, shell, which is quite bitter, and then putting them through a grinding a, a grinder. It's usually a granite, two granite stones going around on a granite slab, um, adding any sweetener or dairy type product that you want to add to it, and that's what that's basically making your base chocolate. From there, you let that age, um, maybe pour out into slabs let it age up to kind of three weeks to a month and that's when you that's what we would call say your your base or your couverture your base chocolate that you then work with so you, you then temper that taking it up and down in temperature controlling the cocoa butter crystals um, so you can make shapes and flavor it and everything from there the Clonakilty chocolate company beans come all the way from west africa I asked Alison a little bit about that. I find West Africa a very interesting part of the world because there's so much corruption, um, and it's there's a and it, because of that there's this amazing movement of fair trade that has been born out of there. So actually, Ghana has the first fair trade town in Africa. Um, it's really important over there because the borders and the trading is so controlled by the very big um, corporates that. These small farmers have come together with the help of people um, in kind of the European and northern countries to make these organizations like Fair Trade and be able to trade with other with other um, businesses and and in in the north. So it's a so the Quapacoco is a it's a cooperative made up of twelve hundred small farms in Ghana in about uh, I think it's 12 regions of Ghana. So a year and a half ago and visited um, probably about 12 farms and, and got to see kind of firsthand the difference between cocoa, which is grown really like a monoculture on an industrial scale for some of the big chocolate companies. They'd own, they'd own it and they'd, they'd work very hard. And obviously that's when you get into problems with child slave labor and uh, really overuse of chemicals and depleting the resources of the land to seeing the kind of fair trade model that they're trying to battle back with which is bring communities back together small farms uh, a small cocoa farm because it's seasonal they only harvest twice a year um, a small cocoa farm could be anything from five up to say 20 to 50 trees so they're very small and because they're using more natural processes, the trees are shade grown, so they're underneath a canopy of much larger, really beautiful um, hardwood. And also you get the, the emergence of different industries because there's money to reinvest in the community. Plus they have infrastructure, sanitation, schools and things cropping up. So this is um, amazing communities evolve around a fair trade farm in that part of the world. So that's why I source my beans from there. Over there, what they do is they harvest the beans. So twice a year, they harvest the beans, the, sorry, the pods. Um, like an apple tree, they um, grow about the same size to, as your big standard apple tree. And they crack them open. Inside, you'll see the pods are about the size of a uh, maybe a big mango-ish. Uh, red, yellow, green. Crack them open. Inside is this white 
kind of goopy corn on the cob like thing and they'd scoop all that out with the with the beans inside mound it up under a big pile of leaves and they ferment it so they'll they'll um flip it while it's fermenting keep rotating it till it ferments all this outer fruity pulp off and then lay it in the sun on screens to dry and they dry it thoroughly bag it and that's what that's what I buy in you call your your chocolate community powered chocolate can you tell us a little bit about that been here in Ireland for the last seven years and I've, I've been able to grow the business in the last couple of years just because of the support from the local community um, in Clonakilty and obviously the farmers and the cooperatives that I work with in West Africa are very important to my work and to what I do um, but last summer I did a, one, a, a crowdfunding campaign to be able to get the funds together I needed to buy basically the big stone melanger grinder that allows me to go bean to bar. People in Clonakilty and West Cork in general are really excited about People starting at businesses, people doing doing their own things, people going out on a limb and um, taking a chance. So they're really supportive and they get got behind it and I got the, the money together. So it's really through that process of being encouraged, um, both financially and just emotionally, and just being told, go for it, do it, that I feel it's, it's really, um, it's more than, it's a lot more than just me and the people I work with, but it's really something that's been born out of Clonakilty. Um, and it, I, I wouldn't be doing it if I was living anywhere else. I really believe that. But it's not simply producers who are changing the way we think about chocolate in Ireland. Many shops now feature huge arrays of bars of chocolate from all around the world. One of these is Organico, a celebrated whole food store and restaurant in Bantry in West Cork, where Sally went to meet Hannah and Rachel Dare. Well, we just counted it, and I think it's approximately seven meters of chocolate so uh, and growing um, all the time I mean we do try and have a one in one out rule but um, there's so many different chocolates coming on the market that it's very hard to resist them and you I mean this is I would I don't know whether I'm right in saying but it's not like your normal health food shop by any means but you would you classify yourself as a health food shop you're we, not a sweetie shop. We're example. not a sweetie shop. Um, I mean, we, we like whole food um, as opposed to health food, just as a minor distinction, um, because it really fo focuses on the whole food side of things. And chocolate can be a whole food, um, and it can also be um, just very a... Very processed. Very processed. Yeah. And so we, we don't really stock the very processed end of chocolate. There is no Nestle in here. Um, we don't do Cadbury's cream eggs. Um, so whenever we choose chocolate for, um, to stock, it's, there's always got to be something there that, that differentiates it. So we have some, some, which is an, some which is made by an Irish company and it's fair trade. Um, we have others which are not made by an Irish company, but they're, just, they're exceptionally good quality and fair trade. We have local chocolate that's raw. There's always something that differentiates it from the, what you find in your local convenience shop. And is it, um, is it for people's physical health or for their mental health that you'd be stocking it, do you think? Um, I think it's a mixture. Um, I think some of, um, some of what we stock, really, there's no physical health excuse for it. It's just a treat. And, you know, they're... That's vitally they're important to our mental health yes. sometimes, you know, to have a treat. Pure treat. Something. Yeah. yeah. And there's no... You know, really, you can't really say there's a huge health benefit to some of them. Um, and then in, in other cases, they're, they're using ingredients which have um, very strong ties to good health. So you've got raw ingredients which have high antioxidant qualities, so it's very protective for our heart. Um, there's, there's some good mineral levels in some of the chocolates, so that, you know, so we get little 
It's only small amounts, traces, but still it all helps. Um, and especially the raw chocolates. So people are looking to, the, to raw chocolates for healthy treats. So can you both walk me through the range a little bit? So, we, the, so seven, the seven metres of chocolate. Seven metres of chocolate. <laughs> Might take a while. Might take a while. Um, well, I suppose we have, I suppose we start here, we have quite a lot of dairy-free, sugar-free, um, there's some carob has snuck in there, which isn't really chocolate, but it's, it's kind of in the same category. More there's, there's stevia sweetened chocolate these days. So stevia is um, a herbal sweetener, um, which was off the market for a long time. There was there was concerns about it or else there's a possibility that it threatened the sugar industry um, and now it's back in with a vengeance and it's it's used in a lot of diabetic chocolates um, because it has no calories and no effect on blood sugar you've got xylitol as a sweetener as well um, it has to be a good recipe for xylitol it can be a slightly strange taste um, but if you go off sugar for a while you'd be very happy with a xylitol chocolate. It's, it's, it's sweet and it's, it hits the spot. Hits the spot. Yeah. Um, and you've got some Irish chocolate and some um, we, chocolate that you've brought in from European chocolate? We do. We've got... Some of our favourites are, are made locally, so we have um, Alison's Clonakilty chocolate here. And we stock her raw chocolate bars. Um, there's one which is sold out at the moment, and it just has mulberries. So it's, it's the raw chocolate ingredients, which would be... Have a little look at the back of her packet here. Um, raw cacao butter, raw cacao powder. Um, this one has xylitol in it and lacuma fruit to sweeten it. The, the one that has no sweetener at all just has dried mulberries, which look a bit like raisins. Um, and it's, I mean, that, that's hugely popular, which is why it's sold out. Um, and this one has dried strawberries in it, and she's making that by hand in Clonakilty. Um, then there's a chocolate made in Ballady Hob called Milzian. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, <laughs> and they have a, a milk and a dark um, and that's a very a very nice chocolate which is a uh, very fine chocolate we then have Claudia's chocolates and we're quite excited about Claudia's chocolates uh, Claudia uses very little sugar so wherever she can she uses something else so she buys maple syrup in bulk from us she buys very high quality dates she buys um, ginger you know crystallized ginger there's a little bit of sugar in that but she's her ingredient quality is amazing. Um, no sweet, no flavorings, no color, no artificial colors. All the colors. So she made a Paddy's Day um, uh, marzipan there using apple, and a, and she found a natural green color. Um, and then she has some hearts, some fruity Easter egg, little Easter eggs she made over there. Um, so very, she, she's really thinking about health and thinking about treats at the same time. Um, and then coming along, we have a firm favourite in the health food trade is Booja Booja. They come in from England. Um, they are vegan, uh, gluten-free, organic. Um, we like them because they have promised to stay loyal to the health food trade, so you won't see them in Tesco's. Um, and they are—they have little little motivational cards inside. Um, they're very, you know, very much about a, an ethical, upbeat, um, but a healthy treat. We, we enjoy. We also have Fuja Buja in the fridge, actually, as well. So they're doing a chilled chocolate range, so quite fresh. a quite a fresh chocolate range. Yeah. Um, then we have some that we bring in from the continent. Where um, so there's some Swiss chocolates here, which I'm quite fond of. There's a chocolate sixty percent with a baobab fruit as a sweetener. There's another sixty percent chocolate there with pomegranate, and then there's one using coconut nectar as a sweetener instead of sugar. 
and one using agave syrup as a sweetener. Um, and so they all have their individual characteristics, but it's a, it, they are very fine chocolate, very, very nice quality chocolates. And do you think there's been a change? There's such a fantastic collection. Is there more selection as somebody, a retailer? Um, is, is it a change? You know, were, were these available or are they just becoming more available these days? More and more all the time. I mean, it used to be green and blacks. That's pretty much we would have had green and blacks. And then we would have had... Um, that range has been around for a while. Um, Plamel. We would have had green and blacks. We would have had Plamel. We might have had a, a fair trade divine from England, fair trade. And that was about it, really. Um, and, you know, and then Green and Blacks got sold um, to a subsidiary of, or a, a company with a connection to Cadbury's. And really, they lost. We had to start looking for, for new chocolates because a lot of our customers were coming in saying we don't want to buy Green and Blacks anymore because we don't want to buy into that whole um, business model. So that gave us a, a reason to start looking to widen our range of chocolate and we've tried things out so we try you know we try things out we've discarded a lot along the way because some were just overpriced or has to be the right we don't stock we don't stock terribly like there are chocolates if you go to the English market there's a chocolate shop which sells the full range of artisan and very high quality chocolates and some of them would be seven euros eight euros a bar whereas we always try to have ours as economical as possible. Do you know, when we're, make, we're kind of in the middle. We're not trying to be, like, we're not selling things that are too dear. And, Rachel, do you use cooking? Sorry. Do you use chocolate in cooking? Do yeah, we do, absolutely. Um, I suppose we would fall back on the green and blacks there cooking range just because it's a really good price. Um, and in kind of melting consistencies, it works well all the time. Um, but we would also uh, do a lot of non-cooked ingredients. So... Right now, we're playing around with all the raw ingredients. So here we've got um, the New and Naturals, which is an Irish um, raw range. <clears throat> they have a fantastic selection of raw ingredients. And the ones at the moment that we're making raw bars with are the cacao butter. And I have yet to try their newest product, which is the cacao paste. Um, but we use their nibs. We do a really fantastic chocolate and peanut bar with a date base. And we've noticed a huge surge in interest in raw ingredients. In obviously sugar-free, people are just informing themselves that small amounts of sugar are, you know, a good thing, but vast quantities of it isn't, is, isn't good for us. And so the substitution of things is definitely um, on the up. And the interest of stuff is on the up. So, yeah, that's kind of where we are with the cooking. That's the sound of a party taking place in a chocolate factory. We return once again to Alison Roberts of Clonakilty Chocolate as she celebrates the opening of her chocolate factory by inviting a group of friends around for dinner. The food, cooked by Caitlin Ruth of DC's restaurant in West Cork, features chocolates in every single course. This bubble ganoush is just a basic bubble ganoush with tahini and lemon juice and cumin, roast aubergines. But then at the end we added a big uh, thing of melted white chocolate, which we thought was a bit strange and we were kind of hesitant. But um, it worked out okay actually, it added nice sweetness to it. Mmm, it's really good. <laughs> That's all I can say is it's really good. It's not what you think it would be. 
Um, I was thinking it might be sweeter, but the obviously the spices are kind of no, it just works. I didn't even know. I actually, when I first saw it, I thought it might have been guacamole because of the green, but it's amazing. I think tahini and sweet things together are really good. Tahini and like date syrup or something like that. It, it just adds something really cool to it, doesn't it? So, chocolate and tahini, why not? Yeah. So we're going to go through, we have another six courses to go, and Caitlin from DC's, as most of you know, she's amazing. She's in there working away with Mark. Um, the full menu's on the board there, so you can read your way as you go, and we'll announce them as they come. I'm going to do, I'll do kind of halfway through a mini seated chocolate factory tour and explain the machines that you see around you. We've obviously had to clear out most of the room into the spare bedroom today in order to make space for you all to come in, but you're all very welcome. It's lovely to have you. And the menu seems looks amazing, so we're excited to be eating all together. So enjoy, and let us know if we can get you anything. If you've forgotten anything, help yourselves to everything on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Here come the prawns. <laughs> I actually asked Caitlin to do this. We came up with the idea back last July, so. For the last six months or so, I've been getting every now and then a, a random text from Caitlin with these amazing ideas for all the different chocolate courses. So actually, last week it all came together and we had a meeting and she walked me through all the different menu items and was kind of raiding my, my chocolate pantry for all the different ingredients. And last one again. And so she came up with, she'd come up with an idea for doing wood pigeon with a, a coating of ground cocoa nibs, pan fried. And within half an hour of leaving, she texted me and said, I've done it, I've made it, it's amazing, and it's on the menu at DC's tonight. So, um, of course, we, we booked in straight away because we had to try it. And she actually made a gravy with the, with the cocoa husks, which is usually a waste product. People put it on their gardens, and she made this amazing gravy out of it. So, she's magic in the kitchen, and it's beautiful. I've never really done a lot of cooking with chocolate, except in, like, your traditional kind of mole. You know, there's only there's a few moles that use chocolate in them, and um, not all of them. And um, yeah, it was really interesting because you can be subtle with chocolate. It doesn't have to be cloying. To be honest, I'm not a huge chocolate fan. I, I love chocolate for a little bit, but I'm not. I would never order chocolate cake or anything like that when I'm out. I'm I like I like nice chocolate, but um, it's really nice to see how it can work with all the different savory things. Especially the blue cheese. <laughs> that was a surprise. The the dark colored butter that you see is um, made with cocoa and nori seaweed. This next course is going to be a cocoa ravioli with the ricotta, pickled chilies, and pistachio cabbage. Oh, just eating something like that reminds you that those big chocolate companies had to get a derogation from the EU to be allowed to continue to call what they produce chocolate. It's, it's confectionery, really. Chocolate-flavoured confectionery. It's not chocolate. That's chocolate. It's not the kind of thing you got after uh, after mass with your pocket money, is it, really? Um... Hershey's chocolate bar, it's very thin chocolate with rice crispies in it. This is my little test butter. So what, you, what you're trying there, that's 100%. So all I've done there is figuring out the best roast time 
putting it through the nibber and it goes through a pre-grinder which makes it a bit like peanut butter and cuts the time in the stone grinder so this is the stone basically just stones like this goes around and around and around I leave it in there for a couple days and that's that's all the ingredients in there so it's just brings out the natural flavor of the beans and the, 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 the amount of time you leave it in there kind of affects the elasticity and the, the graininess of it so you kind of play around and find your optimum grinding time for the beans but I, lo I love that so I put raw cocoa powder into the ravioli dough and in the filling was Toonsbridge ricotta some parmesan uh, toasted and ground up pistachios and pickled chilies that I pickled last year so that's why it was kind of zingy. I don't know if you got the zinginess off of it. And um, on cabbage. And then the top was some of the cocoa breadcrumbs uh, fried. So, you know, like the little breadcrumby, crunchy breadcrumb thing on top. I, I love the different textures. Oh, yeah. yeah was, in everything, there's, you know, there's smooth and there's crispy and there's... Crunchy. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> that's what I kind of... I always aim for some of that, you know, but, it, you know, you're not always successful, especially in a crazy chocolate thing like this where everything has to be chocolate. But the, the crunchy rice salad. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was popped wild rice. Really cool. Um, lately, I've been using it a lot. So all you do is, like, fry wild rice in olive oil on really high heat, and it just pops in like 30 seconds. Oh, the vinaigrette. Yeah, so that was a chocolate and crozier blue vinaigrette. <laughs> Which sounds kind of gross, but once you get that kind of blue cheese goes with dark chocolate because it's so creamy and salty, and creamy and salty goes great with dark chocolate. So and there is a bit of goat's milk, milk chocolate in there too. Yeah. yeah, and then the the winter greens because they're kind of bitter and strong and like the kale tops and the pak choy and the f kind of carrot top mustard and all the different leaves that were in there. They could kind of take it, whereas I don't think like normal lettuce would have been able to take it. The lady opposite said rice and the chocolate was like, in a nice way. Oh, they do. They really do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I decided to steer away from the chocolate cake because I thought after all that chocolate, even though I was trying to make it subtle throughout every course, chocolate cake would be a little bit too heavy. So what I've done is a dark chocolate and stout sorbet with a little bit of roasted white chocolate on it, uh, like a little stick of roasted white chocolate on the side. And that'll be bitter and cleansing, I hope. And then after that, I'm just doing some drinking chocolate with spices in it and a spiced toasted marshmallow on top. Go, go, go. Give me that pop cacao! <laughs> like that, right? That's how it goes, right? And there's like... You have to and there's a violin. <laughs> And bass. So what I want you all to do is do yeah. the chorus. Give me that hot cacao. <laughs> Should we try it? No. Yeah. Are you ready? Where will the recording lights go, though? Um, you'll all get royalties in chocolate. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tonight. Thanks. Okay, you ready? One, two, three, four. Give me that hot cacao. Brilliant. You've been listening to Takeaway, an artisan podcast produced by McKenna's Guys with music by Sam McKenna. 
to hear more podcasts, please go to our website, guides.ie, and subscribe.